Section 29 of the Junior Classics, Volume 6, Old Fashioned Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brooke Favorite, www.alongsidemom.com. The Junior Classics, Volume 6, Old Fashioned Tales. The Story of Fairyfoot by Francis Brown. Once upon a time there stood far away in the west country a town called Stumpingham. It contained seven windmills, a royal palace, a marketplace, and a prison, with every other convenience befitting the capital of a kingdom. A capital city was Stumpingham, and its inhabitants thought it the only one in the world. It stood in the midst of a great plain, which for three leagues round its walls was covered with corn, flax, and orchards, Beyond that lay a great circle of pasture-land, seven leagues in breadth, and it was bounded on all sides by a forest so thick and old that no man in Stumpingham knew its extent. Whether it was the nature of the place or the people I cannot tell, but great feet had been the fashion there time immemorial, and the higher the family the larger were they. It was, therefore, the aim of everybody above the degree of shepherds and such-like rustics to swell out and enlarge their feet by way of gentility, and so successful were they in these undertakings that on a pinch respectable people's slippers would have served for panniers. Stumpingham had a king of its own, and his name was Stiffstep. His family was very ancient and large-footed. His subjects called him Lord of the World, and he made a speech to them every year concerning the grandeur of his mighty empire. His queen, Hammerheel, was the greatest beauty in Stumpingham. Her majesty's shoe was not much less than a fishing boat. Their six children promised to be quite as handsome, and all went well till the birth of their seventh son. For a long time nobody about the palace could understand what was the matter. The ladies-in-waiting looked so astonished, and the king so vexed, but at last it was whispered through the city that the queen's seventh child had been born with such miserably small feet that they resembled nothing ever seen or heard of in Stumpingham, except the feet of fairies. The chronicles furnished no example of such an affliction ever before happening in the royal family. The common people thought it portended some great calamity to the city, the learned men began to write books about it, and all the relations of the king and queen assembled at the palace to mourn with them over their singular misfortune. The whole court and most of the citizens helped in this mourning. But when it had lasted seven days they all found out it was of no use. So the relations went to their homes, and the people took to their work. If the learned men's books were written, nobody ever read them and to cheer up the queen's spirits the young prince was sent privately out to the pasture-lands to be nursed among the shepherds. The chief man there was called Fleecefold, and his wife's name was Rough Ruddy. They lived in a snug cottage with their son Blackthorn and their daughter Brownberry, and were thought great people because they kept the king's sheep. Moreover, Fleecefold's family were known to be ancient, and Rough Ruddy boasted that she had the largest feet in all the pastures. The shepherds held them in high respect, and it grew still higher when the news spread that the king's seventh son had been sent to their cottage. People came from all quarters to see the young prince, and great were the lamentations over his misfortune in having such small feet. The king and queen had given him fourteen names, beginning with Augustus, such being the fashion in that royal family, but the honest country people could not remember so many, 
Besides, his feet were the most remarkable thing about the child, so with one accord they called him Fairyfoot. At first it was feared this might be high treason, but when no notice was taken by the king or his ministers, the shepherds concluded it was no harm, and the boy never had another name throughout the pastures. At court it was not thought polite to speak of him at all. They did not keep his birthday, and he was never sent for at Christmas, because the queen and her ladies could not bear the sight. Once a year the undermost scullion was sent to see how he did, with a bundle of his next brother's cast-off clothes, and as the king grew old and cross it was said he had thoughts of disowning him. So Fairyfoot grew in Fleecefold's cottage. Perhaps the country air made him fair and rosy, for all agreed that he would have been a handsome boy but for his small feet, with which nevertheless he learned to walk, and in time to run and to jump, thereby amazing everybody, for such doings were not known among the children of Stumpingham, the news of court, however, travelled to the shepherds, and Fairyfoot was despised among them. The old people thought him unlucky, the children refused to play with him. Fleecefold was ashamed to have him in his cottage, but he durst not disobey the king's orders. Moreover, Blackthorn wore most of the clothes brought by the scullion. At last Rough Ruddy found out that the sight of such horrid jumping would make her children vulgar and as soon as he was old enough she sent Fairyfoot every day to watch some sickly sheep that grazed on a wild, weedy pasture hard by the forest. Poor Fairyfoot was often lonely and sorrowful. Many a time he wished his feet would grow larger, or that people wouldn't notice them so much, and all the comfort he had was running and jumping by himself in the wild pasture, and thinking that none of the shepherd's children could do the like, for all their pride of their great feet tired of this sport he was lying in the shadow of a mossy rock one warm summer's noon with the sheep feeding around when a robin pursued by a great hawk flew into the old velvet cap which lay on the ground beside him fairyfoot covered it up and the hawk frightened by his shout flew away now you may go poor robin he said opening the cap but instead of the bird out sprang a little man dressed in russet brown and looking as if he were an hundred years old Fairyfoot could not speak for astonishment, but the little man said, "'Thank you for your shelter, and be sure I will do as much for you. Call on me if you are ever in trouble. My name is Robin Goodfellow.' And darting off, he was out of sight in an instant. For days the boy wondered who that little man could be, but he told nobody, for the little man's feet were as small as his own, and it was clear he would be no favorite in stumping him. Fairyfoot kept the story to himself, and at last midsummer came. That evening was a feast among the shepherds. There were bonfires on the hills and fun in the villages. But Fairyfoot sat alone beside his sheepfold, for the children of his village had refused to let him dance with them about the bonfire, and he had gone there to bewail the size of his feet, which came between him and so many good things. Fairyfoot had never felt so lonely in all his life, and, remembering the little man, he plucked up spirit and cried, "'Ho, Robin Goodfellow!' "'Here I am,' said a shrill voice at his elbow, and there stood the little man himself. "'I am very lonely, and no one will play with me, because my feet are not large enough,' said Fairyfoot. "'Come then and play with us,' said the little man. "'We lead the merriest lives in the world, and care for nobody's feet. But all companies have their own manners, and there are two things you must mind among us.' First, do as you see the rest doing, and secondly, never speak of anything you may hear or see, for we and the people of this country have had no friendship ever since large feet came in fashion. 
"'I will do that and anything more you like,' said Fairyfoot, and the little man, taking his hand, led him over the pasture into the forest, and along a mossy path among old trees wreathed with ivy, he never knew how far, till they heard the sound of music, and came upon a meadow where the moon shone as bright as day, and all the flowers of the year, snowdrops, violets, primroses, and cowslips, bloomed together in the thick grass. There were a crowd of little men and women, some clad in russet color, but far more in green, dancing round a little well as clear as crystal, and under great rose-trees, which grew here and there in the meadow, companies were sitting round low tables covered with cups of milk, dishes of honey, and carved wooden flagons filled with clear red wine. The little man led Fairyfoot up to the nearest table, handed him one of the flagons, and said, "'Drink to the good company!' Wine was not very common among the shepherds of Stumpingham, and the boy had never tasted such drink as that before. For scarcely had it gone down when he forgot all his troubles, how Blackthorn and Brownberry wore his clothes, how rough Ruddy sent him to keep the sickly sheep, and the children would not dance with him. In short, he forgot the whole misfortunes of his feet, and it seemed to his mind that he was a king's son, and all was well with him. All the little people about the well cried, "'Welcome! Welcome!' and every one said, "'Come and dance with me!' So Fairyfoot was as happy as a prince, and drank milk and ate honey till the moon was low in the sky. Next morning Fairyfoot was not tired for all his dancing. Nobody in the cottage had missed him, and he went out with the sheep as usual. But every night all that summer, when the shepherds were safe in bed, the little man came and took him away to dance in the forest. Now he did not care to play with the shepherd's children, nor grieve that his father and mother had forgotten him but watched the sheep all day, singing to himself or plaiting rushes. The wonder was that he was never tired nor sleepy, as people are apt to be who dance all night. But before the summer was ended, Fairyfoot found out the reason. One night, when the moon was full, and the last of the ripe corn rustling in the fields, Robin Goodfellow came for him as usual, and away they went to the flowery green. The fun there was high, and Robin was in haste so he only pointed to the carved cup from which Fairyfoot every night drank the clear red wine. "'I'm not thirsty, and there's no use losing time,' thought the boy to himself, and he joined the dance, but never in all his life did Fairyfoot find such hard work as to keep pace with the company. Their feet seemed to move like lightning, the swallows did not fly so fast or turn so quickly. Fairyfoot did his best, for he never gave in easily, but at length, his breath and strength being spent, the boy was glad to steal away and sit down behind a mossy oak, where his eyes closed for very weariness. When he awoke, the dance was nearly over, but two little ladies clad in green talked close beside him. "'What a beautiful boy!' said one of them. "'He is worthy to be a king's son. Only see what handsome feet he has!' "'Yes,' said the other, with a laugh that sounded spiteful. They are just like the feet Princess Maybloom had before she washed them in the growing well. Her father has sent far and wide throughout the whole country searching for a doctor to make them small again, but nothing in this world can do it except the water of the fair fountain, and none but I and the nightingales know where it is. One would not care to let the like be known, said the first little lady. There would come such crowds of these great coarse creatures of mankind. Nobody would have peace for leagues round. "'But you will surely send word to the sweet princess. "'She was so kind to our birds and butterflies, "'and danced so like one of ourselves.' 
"'Not I, indeed,' said the spiteful fairy. "'Her old skinflint of a father cut down the cedar which I loved best in the whole forest, and made a chest of it to hold his money in. Besides, I never liked the princess. Everybody praised her so. But come, we shall be too late for the last dance.' When they were gone, Fairyfoot could sleep no more with astonishment. He did not wonder at the fairies admiring his feet, because their own were much the same. But it amazed him that Princess Maybloom's father should be troubled at hers growing large. Moreover, he wished to see that same princess and her country, since there were really other places in the world than Stumpingham. When Robin Goodfellow came to take him home as usual, he durst not let him know that he had overheard anything. But never was the boy so unwilling to get up as on that morning, and all day he was so weary that in the afternoon Fairyfoot fell asleep, with his head on a clump of rushes. It was seldom that any one thought of looking after him and the sickly sheep, but it so happened that towards evening the old shepherd, Fleecefold, thought he would see how things went on in the pastures. The shepherd had a bad temper and a thick staff, and no sooner did he catch sight of Fairyfoot sleeping and his flock straying away than shouting all the ill names he could remember in a voice which woke up the boy. He ran after him as fast as his great feet would allow, while Fairyfoot, seeing no other shelter from his fury, fled into the forest and never stopped nor stayed till he reached the banks of a little stream. Thinking it might lead him to the fairy's dancing ground, he followed that stream for many an hour, but it wound away into the heart of the forest, flowing through dells, falling over mossy rocks, and at last leading Fairyfoot, when he was tired and the night had fallen, to a grove of great rose-trees, and the moon shining on it as bright as day, and thousands of nightingales singing in the branches. In the midst of that grove was a clear spring— bordered with banks of lilies, and Fairyfoot sat down by it to rest himself and listen. The singing was so sweet he could have listened for ever, but as he sat the nightingales left off their songs and began to talk together in the silence of the night. "'What boy is that?' said one on a branch above him. "'Who sits so lonely by the fair fountain? He cannot have come from stumping him with such small and handsome feet.' "'No, I'll warrant you,' said another." "'He has come from the West Country. "'How in the world did he find the way?' "'How simple you are,' said a third nightingale. "'What had he to do but follow the ground ivy "'which grows over height and hollow, bank and bush, "'from the lowest gate of the king's kitchen garden "'to the root of this rose-tree? "'He looks a wise boy, and I hope he will keep the secret, "'or we shall have all the West Country here, "'dabbling in our fountain and leaving us no rest "'to either talk or sing.' Fairyfoot sat in great astonishment at this discourse, but by and by, when the talk ceased and the songs began, he thought it might be as well for him to follow the ground ivy, and see the Princess Maybloom, not to speak of getting rid of rough Ruddy, the sickly sheep, and the crusty old shepherd. It was a long journey, but he went on, eating wild berries by day, sleeping in the hollows of old trees by night, and never losing sight of the ground ivy which led him over height and hollow, bank and bush, out of the forest, and along a noble high road, with fields and villages on every side, to a great city, and a low old-fashioned gate of the king's kitchen garden, which was thought too mean for the scullions, and had not been opened for seven years. There was no use knocking, the gate was overgrown with tall weeds and moss, so, being an active boy, he climbed over and walked through the garden, till a white fawn came frisking by, and he heard a soft voice saying sorrowfully, 
come back come back my fawn i cannot run and play with you now my feet have grown so heavy and looking round he saw the loveliest young princess in the world dressed in snow-white and wearing a wreath of roses on her golden hair but walking slowly as the great people did in stumpingham for her feet were as large as the best of them after her came six young ladies dressed in white and walking slowly for they could not go before the princess but fairyfoot was amazed to see that their feet were as small as his own at once he guessed that this must be the princess maybloom and made her an humble bow saying royal princess i have heard of your trouble because your feet have grown large in my country that's all the fashion for seven years past i have been wondering what would make mine grow to no purpose but i know of a certain fountain that will make yours smaller and finer than ever they were if the king your father gives you leave to come with me accompanied by two of your maids that are the least given to talking and the most prudent officer in all his household for it would grievously offend the fairies and the nightingales to make that fountain known when the princess heard that she danced for joy in spite of her large feet and she and her six maids brought fairyfoot before the king and queen where they sat in their palace hall with all the courtiers paying their morning compliments the lords were very much astonished to see a ragged barefooted boy brought in among them and the ladies thought princess maybloom must have gone mad but fairyfoot making an humble reverence told his message to the king and queen and offered to set out with the princess that very day at first the king would not believe that there could be any use in his offer because so many great physicians had failed to give any relief the courtiers laughed fairyfoot to scorn the pages wanted to turn him out for an impudent impostor and the prime minister said he ought to be put to death for high treason fairyfoot wished himself safe in the forest again or even keeping the sickly sheep but the queen being a prudent woman said i pray your majesty to notice what fine feet this boy has there may be some truth in his story for the sake of our only daughter i will choose two maids who talk the least of all our train and my chamberlain who is the most discreet officer in our household let them go with the princess who knows but our sorrow may be lessened after some persuasion the king consented though all his counsellors advised the contrary so the two silent maids the discreet chamberlain and her fawn which would not stay behind were sent with princess maybloom and they all set out after dinner fairyfoot had hard work guiding them along the track of the ground ivy the maids and the chamberlain did not like the brambles and rough roots of the forest they thought it hard to eat berries and sleep in hollow trees but the princess went on with good courage and at last they reached the grove of rose trees and the spring bordered with lilies the chamberlain washed and though his hair had been grey and his face wrinkled the young courtiers envied his beauty for years after the maids washed and from that day they were esteemed the fairest in all the palace lastly the princess washed also it could make her no fairer but the moment her feet touched the water they grew less and when she had washed and dried them three times they were as small and finely shaped as fairyfoot's own there was great joy among them but the boy said sorrowfully oh if there had been a well in the world to make my feet large my father and mother would not have cast me off nor sent me to live among the shepherds cheer up your heart said the princess maybloom if you want large feet there is a well in this forest that will do it last summer-time i came with my father and his foresters to see a great cedar cut down of which he meant to make a money-chest 
while they were busy with the cedar i saw a bramble branch covered with berries some were ripe and some were green but it was the longest bramble that ever grew for the sake of the berries i went on and on to its root which grew hard by a muddy-looking well with banks of dark green moss in the deepest part of the forest the day was warm and dry and my feet were sore with the rough ground so i took off my scarlet shoes and washed my feet in the well but as i washed they grew larger every minute and nothing could ever make them less again i have seen the bramble this day it is not far off and as you have shown me the fair fountain i will show you the growing well up rose fairyfoot and princess maybloom and went together till they found the bramble and came to where its root grew hard by the muddy-looking well with banks of dark green moss in the deepest dell of the forest fairyfoot sat down to wash but at that minute he heard a sound of music and knew it was the fairies going to their dancing ground if my feet grow large said the boy to himself how shall i dance with them so rising quickly he took the princess maybloom by the hand the fawn followed them the maids and the chamberlain followed it and all followed the music through the forest at last they came to the flowery green robin goodfellow welcomed the company for fairyfoot's sake and gave everyone a drink of the fairy's wine so they danced there from sunset till the grey morning and nobody was tired but before the lark sang robin goodfellow took them all safe home as he used to take fairyfoot there was great joy that day in the palace because princess maybloom's feet were made small again the king gave fairyfoot all manner of fine clothes and rich jewels and when they heard his wonderful story he and the queen asked him to live with them and be their son in process of time fairyfoot and princess maybloom were married and still live happily when they go to visit at stumpingham they always wash their feet in the growing well lest the royal family might think them a disgrace but when they come back they make haste to the fair fountain and the fairies and the nightingales are great friends to them as well as to the maids and the chamberlain because they have told nobody about it and there is peace and quiet yet in the grove of rose trees end of section 29 recording by brook favorite www.alongsidemom.com